today we have um, uh, two different people coming up here to share. And when they do, these aren't people that come up all the time to share. Um, but the, the first one is going to be Heather Householder. And, um, and then after Heather is going to be Mike and Lori Barth are coming up together. And they're just going to share what God has done in them and what God has done through them when it comes to being in community. So this is them kind of sharing a testimony and also hopefully getting out the cattle prod and maybe just buzzing each one of us a couple times. Um, but we're excited for that. Now, one of the things, I don't know how many of you have ever had to share in front of a group of people, and it's something you haven't done a lot, and it can be a little nerve-wracking. Anybody with me on that? Uh, you're scared. Well, what if I pronounce a word wrong? Well, I just helped you with that one, okay? Um, but one of the things we want to do is we want to be able to encourage them as they go along. So we're going to practice what it's like. When I welcome them up, what are we going to do? Nice. Great. Good, good. Now, we have no one with the cue card. I remember I was once in New York and went to the, um, which show is it that's in New York? The late night show, tonight show. One of the shows that are later in the evening. And, you know, they had cue cards that told you, you know, laughter and really loud laughter and stuff. It's not that. It's coming from the heart. But we're still going to practice it. Now, when they say something that's really good, some things you can do is be like, uh, that's good. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit edgier to say, you know, like, come on. Um, you could say, like, truth. Yeah, and so you just kind of encourage it. Now, we don't want to be obnoxious. It's not to create a distraction, but it's to say, hey, you're, you're on to something, and what you're saying is right, and there is a truth in that statement. And then when they're done, nothing's worse than walking off and being like, dear God, did that land or not. So how are we going to encourage them when they're walking off? Yes. Come on. Yes. There we go. Okay. So I think you guys are ready for this. So uh, again, we're just going to hear a little challenge. I ask you to open up your heart, open up your mind. The idea is that God has put us into a family and he's put us into community for a reason. And it's because he doesn't just want us to be in our, in our own friend groups, but he wants to expand us because we really get to experience the, the, the beauty of the body of Christ when we get around others that aren't exactly like us. They don't have the same interests. They don't have the same uh, plans and those types of things. They're not the same age. And we begin to be able to see different elements of who Jesus is. And so that's what we're excited for today. So very first, our very first guest speaker today, Heather Householder. I will say sometimes, sometimes that makes me more nervous. <laughs> Um, when Pastor Pete asked me to do this, I, I had to think back, and I had a, a friend remind me that not just to think about the now, um, but to think about the past groups that I've been a part of. In the nearly 25 years that I've attended this church, I've also attended about five house churches, or excuse me, community groups as we know them now. Um, they've, they've gone through name changes, um, but... When I first started coming to City Harvest Church, I didn't have a lot of friends in 
this area. I had moved down from Longview. My family lived in Olympia or North, and I didn't have a lot of people. And so when I got connected to house church, these people in this house church became like extended family. This isn't just the people that, um, you know, we, we sit there and, and with this body, you know, hey, there's a lot of us. When you go to the small group, they become the people that you talk to, you, you open yourself up to and ask for prayer from. These are people that are there for you to help you through the hard times, to um, encourage you when you're struggling. You can call, these, these become the people that you can call upon and, hey, I need prayer for this. And you can do that. Out of the five home groups that I've been a part of, a number of the folks have either moved states, gone to different places, some have passed on. I am still friends with and connect with at least somebody from every one of those house churches. Every one of them. They are still people to this day that I can call upon and say, hey, I need this. Can you pray for me here? I actually went and visited with one and we just were catching up and something came up and I said, I, I could actually really use prayer for that. Hey, let's do that. Bang, right there. I haven't, hadn't seen this person in months. Hadn't talked to this person face-to-face -face in, in probably over a year. They're still there for us. They're the, they're the folks that challenge us. They're the, the people that when we lose somebody, we go and we connect with them and check in on them and, and be there the ones that, that, like Aaron, lift their arms up and help them to, to turn to God and praise. Small groups, I mean, this being a, a big church, the body here in this service can only do so much. We want to connect in small groups so that we can connect closer as individuals and as family. Again, many of those folks, they know who they are. They're, they're not just part of my community. These guys, this, this group, these groups have become part of my family. So that's the kind of thing. All right. Good stuff there. Come on, lifelong friendships, people that you wouldn't know, and even after they've maybe they're they're not here, uh, maybe they move somewhere else. You continue to have relationships with them. You continue to have people that speak into your life. You know, I think through different friends of mine, and you know, they move away, and sometimes you think, well, you know, the friendship's over, and how much more? It's amazing when you just get like a random text, or they know not to call me because I never answer, and so they they text me and they just say, hey, you know, I was thinking about you, praying about you, and it's just amazing how even though there's miles between us, 
how there's still something connected in our hearts in that way. So awesome. All right, our next is Mike and Lori Barth. Like, hello? There we go. Like any good husband, I'm going to let the ladies go first. All right. Um, Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6 says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I have seen God do this, place the lonely in families, over and over again in both my life and in the lives of others. Throughout my life, he has led me to churches with small groups and showed me their value and importance. When I was 19, I moved two and a half hours away from home and within a few months began attending a church there. I didn't know anyone when I walked through those doors and it was a big enough church that that could have been remained the case for a long time if they didn't have small groups meeting called NMCs, Neighborhood Ministry Centers. I began attending one, began building relationships, and these people became my family. We celebrated together, held each other accountable, cried together, and some of us lived together. This group made a big church seem small and feel like home. When I was 28, I moved across the country from Bellingham to Philadelphia to work as a nanny. I knew no one. Near my house, there was a small church that I decided to try. Again, I walked in not knowing anyone. That day, I met a man named Stan who invited me to his home group. I later found out that that stood for Homes Open for Ministry and Encouragement. I began attending built relationships, and again, we studied together, prayed together, ate together, celebrated and cried together, and God took a lonely woman from the West Coast and gave me a family on the East Coast. Now, God, God also gave me another blessing through that man, I, San, and that was I met my husband. So. <laughs> Mike and I married, and I moved into his house in the city in South Philly. We began attending a church together, and they also had small groups called discipleship groups, D-groups for short. We decided to host a D-group. Once again, this group of people became our family. And just like family does, we celebrated births together, mourned together, ate together, basically did life together like family does. One couple even drove our moving truck across the country when we moved to Vancouver in 2000. Now, when we came to City Harvest, it was a lot smaller than it is now, probably about 250 people. But by this time, we knew that to feel connected to a church, we had to be in a small group. So we began attending what at that time was called a cell group. It didn't stand for anything, but... Um, <laughs> No acronym there. Not too long after that, um, 
After 9-11, the name was changed to House Churches with all the terrorist cell talk. We didn't really think cell was a good idea anymore. <laughs> so when our group leaders, leaders moved to Idaho, we decided to open our home and start a house church. We served for about seven years, and then we took a break for a couple years, but attended a different group. And then we were asked to step back in as house church pastors and have been serving in that role since then. Many of the people in our group, original group, came back. Why? Because we're family. Just like our biological family, we have an eclectic group of people. Sometimes we annoy each other. Sometimes we wonder how we can be so different but still be part of the same family. But God shows us how he has created each unique individual with a purpose how they can touch people's lives that we could never touch. God doesn't want us to only hang out with people who are like us. He wants us to learn to love all people like he does. And I believe that being committed to a small group of people is one of the ways that he does that. God sets the lonely in families. If you are feeling lonely or in need of family, I encourage you to find a community group. And be committed because it takes time to build a family. Thanks, huh? Well, we've been house church pastors so long that we've been through every name change Pastor Peter could think of. It was home groups, cell groups, house churches, and community groups. I'm sticking with house church. It's old school, so... I think it's safe to say that we are probably one of the longest tenured house church pastors here at City Harvest Church. Uh, our house church now, thank you. Our house church now is what we want this church to be, multi-generational. We range from age 12 months to nearly 80 years old and everything in between. House church is a place where people come to feel loved, noticed, cared for, encouraged, and a place that they know they belong. And it's all about relationship. House church is a place where needs get met. One of our house church members needed to learn how to drive, so a few of us took her driving, gave her instruction, encouraged her, and she went for her driver's test and passed it the first time. Another one of our members uh, is a single, uh, not a single mom, is, is a mom of a teenager, and uh, she's a full-time caregiver, and she works, and at times she needs a break. So at times we gather together as a house church, and we go over and spend the night at the house so she can get a break that she deserves. <laughs> I'm sorry, we just love the people in our house church. And Acts 24 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And at our house church, that's what we do. We, we eat together, and we sit around the house, and we fellowship. And after our physical needs are met, we have a time of worship, a little short time of teaching, encouragement, and then we pray with each other. And after our spiritual needs are met, we fellowship some more. So if you're feeling like, you, like you're not connected and you want to be part of a family, part of God's family, small community is where that happens. 
So look through the groups that are being offered this trimester. They're all different. Find one that interests you and make a commitment to go. Don't say, maybe I'll go to this one because we know that maybe you won't, right? (laughs) So make a commitment. I know that at the end of a long day, after you've gone home and you've had something to eat and it's hard to get yourself together to go out to do something else, but trust me, if you make the effort, you'll be glad you did. I'm going to close with this. Let us think of ways to motivate. This is uh, Hebrews 10:24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's what really happens in community house church groups. All right, um, Alan, this gentleman next to you, uh, I've never done this before, so this is really, that's, I'm really nervous. Uh, you introduced me to him when he came in, but I feel the Lord has a word for you, and he's putting on my heart to share it with you. Um, it's like saying, oh, mighty man of God, I have work for you to do. I love you. You are important to me. I placed you on an island so you can't run. Stop running. Sit at my feet and be filled and be nurtured. I love you. You are mine. I don't know if that speaks to you, but the Lord wanted me to share that to you. That was so good. You know, I love um, just seeing how God brings us together, but different people, and that's one of our our, our hopes, and uh, just as a church family, is that it's not about a select few that come up and share, but it's all of us, and so you say, me, you, yeah, you, one day, don't worry, one day, um, Maybe we'll have the kids come up and I'll just be like, hey, can you just come up and pray for them? And you're like, we didn't talk about this. And I'll be like, exactly. And uh, then I'll ask for forgiveness later. But, you know, it's beautiful to hear from one another and uh, just to see how God speaks through each person. And, you know, the idea is that God does bring us and, you know, come in here on a Sunday is a piece of it. And celebrating God's goodness, celebrating what God is doing is a piece of it. Uh, uh, having someone bring a, a word and, and a challenge and we, we open up and we read scripture together, that's a piece of it. Um, and, and all those things are good, but there's only so deep we can get in this, in this atmosphere. There's only so much we can get to know one another in this way. I learned today that Lori Barth is way funnier than I knew she was. <laughs> And she had some little jokes in there. What I liked was it was sarcasm, which I understand very well. And so I was tracking with her through it. And, uh, but we learn so much more about one another when we get into those settings. Usually, though, because we're busy, time ends up being a reason why we don't connect. Another thing ends up being, well, I just, I don't know anybody and, and I'm not sure what about this. And, or sometimes we even go in our own 
let's just be honest, how many judgmental people are in the room with me? You go to a group and you look around and you're like, huh, yeah, this ain't gonna happen again. And you decide, but you know what? That is a place God wants you to be. And there's a reason why he see now I'm not saying just use wisdom. But the idea is we're not just looking for the group that sounds, looks, acts just like us. Because that's really not going to challenge us. You know, if I just sat around with a whole bunch of people that think and act and process like I do, I'm not seeing another perspective. I'm not being challenged in my own perspective. And so really wanting to get around um, where we get to truly experience the body of Christ. So community here at City Harvest... Uh, we kind of have a, a little thing of what does community look at City Harvest? To be in community at City Harvest means to regularly connect to a small group of members, small group, whatever it's called. I love the D group. Um, there was a time like in the 80s where everything had to be an acronym. You just couldn't call something what it was. You had to have an acronym of what it stood for. But just to be in a small group of, of members of our faith community where we are transparently sharing. Transparently, what does that mean? It kind of means you can see through. If something's transparent, you can see through it to some extent. Now, some of us are going to be all different shades of an agate. Anybody here ever go like agate hunting? A couple of you. Uh, you, can, you can find some, and it's almost like they're like clear glass, and others, they're, they're kind of foggy. Well, God wants us to begin to open up where we let our guards down. Now, we use wisdom. But to let our guards down and begin to be open with who we are, begin to be open with our struggles. Because one of the lies is, is well, if you open up, you're going to be rejected. If, you're, if you open up, you're going uh, to be judged. But, you know, let's just, the secret, and it's not a secret, is that each one of us has baggage in our life. Each one of us has made mistakes. Each one of us has said things done things, thought things that we should not have. Each one of us has somebody in our family tree that we maybe don't want to talk about. Each one of us compares ourselves to someone that we think is better than us, and we put ourselves below that person. But let's not be bound by that. Let's free ourselves of those things by being transparent, beginning to open up and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Here's what I'm going through right in this moment. So transparently sharing your personal journey in your relationship with God. It's great to have people come up here and share, but it needs to be two-way. We also, each one of us, need to be able to open up and share what God's doing in our life while giving and receiving encouragement. Giving and receiving encouragement. That doesn't mean giving and receiving answers. Okay. A lot of times when we do open up and we are transparent, I'm, I'm not really, if, if, if we're in a, just a hint, if you and I end up in a small group together, when I open up transparently, I'm actually not looking, I'm, I'm just trying to let you know what's going on. I'm not looking for you to fix my problem. Anybody in here agree with that? I just need an open ear. I need a caring heart, someone who's like, you know, we like to say we acknowledge it and we normalize it. And we remind of tools. We kind of help point each other in a way. But I don't need you to tell me what diet I need to go on that's going to fix my mental composure. Or, you know, have I just read this one book or go through this one program, everything. We're there to love one another. We're there to give and receive encouragement in that way. 
a scripture we read here a lot because it's a lot about multi-generational and it's about being part of the family of God and it's Deuteronomy chapter six, verses uh, four through nine. And we're gonna keep reading a lot because it's important and there's truth in it. It says, listen, O Israel, that's the family of God. So he's saying this to us, listen, O city harvest, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. If, if uh, to kind of help you understand what they're saying here, it means you're going to love God with everything you are. You following with me? So there's nothing left over. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We are called to continually recall the goodness of God in our life, the remembrance. Even as we sang, remind me, Lord, the joy. Remind me of that joy. One of the ways we're able to recall those things is when we're in groups where we begin to tell our story. We begin to share not even just our story from 20 years ago or three years ago. We want to focus on our story right now. What is God showing you today? What did, what did God show you in this service? What, is, what did God show you when you opened your Bible yesterday and you maybe only read three verses, but how one, man, you just haven't been able to shake it. What did God show you when you were driving down the street and you, you saw these people on the side of the road and, and God just began to, to minister you and, you, and you, so you pulled over and you went and you prayed for him or whatever it is, we begin to share in that and we share that testimony. The other one, Mike actually already read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 and there was a, a little thing we called a pandemic that went on a couple years ago. And this scripture um, was used a lot. Verse 24 in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews says, let us think of ways to keep his promise. Sorry, I read the first line then went to another verse. Okay, again, we're going to start over. So this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love in good works. That's that encouragement. We motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, this was used a lot when, when there was different mandates on how many people could gather together and, and all of that. And it was kind of like the rally cry of let us not forsake. But, you know, really... When I read this verse, it's not just talking about a once a week meeting. It's talking about relationship, you and I being in relationship, you and I encouraging one another, you and I opening up transparently and ministering with one another. The early church wasn't gathering in massive, massive buildings. They weren't having over and over massive tent revivals. How did the gospel go? How did the early church meet? They met house to house. They met in small groups. They met where they could get into the community that we just heard about from Heather and, and the Barts. 
where they could care for one another's needs. They could, they could um, when this person's struggling, they, they come and they lift that one up. And man, one thing we know about as this world goes around is that one day I'm feeling like I'm on top of the world and the next day I need a lot of help. And so that's why we get into community and we have people in our life. You know, um, I was thinking of uh, people over the years. You know, we just hear two, well, I think it was actually September 7th was our actual official 25th anniversary as a church. But thinking of people that have thrived here at City Harvest. Thrived meaning they came and you just saw um, just joy come up. There was a peace. You know, those people, it wasn't those that attended the most meetings. That is not what makes. Now, many times we can think of that, like whoever's at church the most and comes on Sunday and man, if the doors are open and there's a meeting or there's a group doing this or a group doing that, the person that goes, that's not always the person who thrived the most. It's not the person that served the most where they're just like, hey, I'll help with this and I'll help with that. Those things are good. We do need to be able to show up or we're not in community and God has given each one of us gifts that he wants us to share. But the three things, when I think of people that I feel are consistent amongst people, is self-feeders and taking ownership for your own gift. Meaning you don't just wait to come for someone to tell you what's in the word of God. But you know, we talked earlier about the veil was torn and there's now openness for you and I to go into the presence of God on our own. No matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, and we have to be self-feeders, where we're opening up the word on our own. We have prayer, which is a conversation. You just talk to God. You tell him what's going on in your life. You ask him questions. You dialogue. We worship. We have an attitude of praise, an attitude of worship as we go about our day. Self-feeders, ownership, taking ownership for who God called you to be. We don't just sit back and, man, I, I hope somebody can hear how beautiful my voice is and ask me to sing. No, if God has called you to use your voice as a gift, that doesn't just mean you come up on a stage. It means it's to be used as a gift. If you have a gift, it's not just for others to try to pull it out of you. It's for you. God gave it to you. He's going to be asking us, what did we each do with the gift he gave us? So self-feeders and we take ownership is number one. The other one is people were in community. Someone could read their Bible a lot. Someone could come every single Sunday. You know, it's kind of weird, like you're in schools, you're not supposed to um, come if you're sick. And if you have two symptoms, you're out for like a week. But they still give an award to the person that never misses a day. It's always been a little bit confusing to me because I'm thinking, liars, that just means that you showed up sick. That's the only way you didn't miss a day. So I purposely have my kids. I'm trying to get them to always be on the they miss the most days of school list. But so it's not that, but it, it's people, though, that we're in community because it goes much deeper than us just gathering like this. But the last one, and we don't talk about this a lot, and, uh, but it's, it's tithing. And it's not even just being generous. There's been a lot of generous people, but it's actually the principle of tithing where we give to give to God. And we don't share a lot about tithing here. 
We don't pass the bags because we don't want you to feel like you have to give. You're being pressured to give because it's something that you do because you feel it. But I can honestly say, looking over the years, the people that have thrived, the happiest, that where you've seen things take place in their life are people that take responsibility for their own spiritual growth. They're self-feeders and they take ownership. People that get into community and people that begin to allow God to challenge them in the principle of tithing. I have very rarely ever seen where someone's walking in those three and they begin to feel disconnected and they begin to those, those things that can easily come against us. And so today the challenge is let's get into community. And so we're going to, um, will you put up the different groups we have and there'll be an email that goes out. Um, and if you need, uh, any help finding a group, Brittany will help you, uh, in the lobby. But, um, one of the things, and, and Mike kind of shared on it, is that when you look for a group, we ask that you pray, Lord, show me what group you want me in. Not just what group is interesting to you, not what group looks cool, but what group, God, do you want me in? And show me why, are, why am I there? Because you're going to be there so that you can give something to the others in the group. You're also there because he wants you to receive something from others in the group. Regardless of what your judgmental mind says about the others, there's something he wants you to learn from them. So we have different groups that are Bible or book studies. We have different groups, like they said, that are house churches. We're still using the old school name. Okay, I want you to know, we haven't done out with the old school. Groups that are house churches. We have set free groups. It's where we're, we're breaking free of certain things in our life. And then within discipleship ministries, there are different groups for these different demographics. And, uh, um, and then also gatherings were coming together um, as, as men coming together, as seniors coming together, as young adults, as youth, all those different things. And so uh, to really look through that and see how you can get into community. So we are going to, um, if the ushers would come forward, and we are going to break bread together. So they are going to pass. We have some homemade kind of like an unleavened bread that we're going to pass around and you're going to take it and um, don't eat it yet. It looks really good. And no, there's no butter coming after or salsa to dip it in. We want to try to take communion together as a family every week. We also want to do it differently so that we don't get caught up in it becomes a ritual and we lose the, 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 the thought of it and the purpose of it. Today, we're breaking bread with one another, which means here in a minute, we're going to put on a song. The band isn't coming up because we want them to, where we all can participate. It's not a massive piece, but just the idea is that you get up and you begin to go around and you just break bread with a couple people. And you could say whatever you want, um, but you know, and encourage each other that his body was broken for you. Sometimes we don't think that. We think that his sacrifice was for everyone else, but for us to encourage one another that his body was broken for you. Now, you might be saying, okay, if, if, if it's okay if you don't want to touch someone else's bread or you don't want them passing it to you. So what you do is you just 
tear off a little piece of your own and you can take that one. You don't have to take theirs and we're not going to get offended, okay? Everybody here, you agree we're not going to get offended? Everybody can do what they feel comfortable with. The point isn't that. I, I, last time we did this, I just have to say, I broke bread with somebody, and it's like they dipped their hand in perfume, but it was a guy, okay? So don't start beating down on the ladies. And I think it was probably like hand sanitizer, but I put it in my mouth, and it was just like, Wow! <laughs> And it was fresh baked focaccia bread we were eating that day. It was amazing, and I couldn't taste the thing. So I know that doesn't motivate you to actually break it with one another. But we're just going to take a minute, and you just get up, and um, you know, let's not just go to our friends. Let's, let's actually practice community where we walk around, and we just walk up to a couple people. And when you're done breaking bread with one another... There's going to be three tables in the back, one on each side and one in the back that has the cups. And this is where you go by yourself and you're just kind of sealing it. And you're thanking God for the sacrifice of his son and what it means to you. We've been told to do it in remembrance, which means we remember what he did. We remind ourselves. And not in a, yeah, 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 I know, I know the story. No, Lord, thank you. And think through what he did for you. So let's be community. Break bread with one another. Be glad that God has put us in a church family together. Whether just for today. Or whether God is planting you here for years.